Hi and welcome to the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Live Now. Different week, same garbage for Manchester United after the latest embarrassing defeat. We ask what's needed for the reset. Elsewhere, Arsenal registered an all-important win and Newcastle continue to fly. All this and more on the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Live Now. Hi everyone, I'm Roshan. And I'm Deepan. Well, Roshan, you know, if someone were to listen to the first few episodes of the season and then listen to us now, they'd see parallels between us and Manchester United. You know, all excitement at the start, but brought down to nothing but misery at the moment. Uh, Roshan, before we get our ranting started, uh, let me get into the trivia. Uh, it's a very simple, simple question but a very difficult one to give an answer to, I would say. So I'm looking at the Premier League stats this season. Um, and, you know, it's easy to point out who's leading the goals, charts, assist charts. But a key factor, passes. Ooh. Who leads the Premier League on passes? Wow, good question. Um, I'm going to go out on a whim here and try Kevin De Bruyne. you got the team right, but the player wrong. So, so just to, to, to give you an indication, the top yeah. three in the Premier League this season are all Manchester City players. Oh, nice. Bernardo Which Silva? is an indication of how they play, right? Bernardo Silva? Not quite. I give, okay, you, I give you a clue. Okay. City love to start from the back. Oh, wow. One of their centre-backs, huh? Ruben Diaz? Nope. No, he's been injured. Laporte? Correct. I'm oh, that's shocking. Yeah. With 2,467 completed passes. United uh, also like to start out from the back, bro. <laughs> Except for Maguire, often doesn't pull off his passes. But that's very interesting to know. Yeah, second is uh, Yao Cancelo with uh, 2,450. And then third is, of course, Rodri uh, with 2,357. Very interesting stats that I found on the Premier League uh, stats page. But anyway, let's get into it right now, Roshan. Wow, Manchester United. Where do we start? And, you know, it's not like we, we did not expect a, a defeat against Liverpool. It's not like we didn't expect a big defeat against Liverpool. Those things happened. But it was the manner of it. Like, no fight. And, and I'm sure, you know, people have already listened to uh, Sky Sports Pundit ranting about it as well. But there was no fight at all. And it seems like we've been talking about this week in and week out. But were you a bit more shocked in the sense that this was against your arch rivals Liverpool. I think so. Uh, you touched on it there, Sky Sports Pundits. I was listening into Gary Neville. I think he spoke in the studio as well or as in his own podcast and he used the term broken. And I think the club is broken. The players are broken. To your question, how can they not psych themselves up against Liverpool is beyond me. Regardless of whatever, it's your biggest rivals. And to add to the fact that Liverpool are going after a quadruple, you have the chance to derail that bid. If you had gone down with a fight, I think a lot of United fans will be feeling a bit better than they do now. Look, week in, week out, we say it's a low, it's a low, it's a low. It's just getting lower and lower and lower and I think that's the problem. When a kid has to come on late on and show the most gumption, and I think, again, Gary Neville touched on it, that it's wrong to cheer some of his tackles because they are borderline at the risk of causing an injury. But that's the fight that you want, right? You see 
players who are out of contracts, playing in midfield, limping off after 10 minutes. I don't have to mention names here. But it's just a sorry state of affairs. The only thing that I take from this whole saga that has been this season, not just the match, is Ralph Ragnick being absolutely honest in his press conferences. I really, really appreciate that. I know there have been some moves up top with people quitting their jobs in terms of global scouts and stuff like that. I don't think it's knee-jerk. I do think Ragnick is the is the antithesis almost to what the Glazers need, what they don't want to hear. And I think the fact that he's coming out and saying it publicly in the media and there's no hiding place anymore, right? Now it's all about what are they going to do with the truths he's uncovered. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that his truth-finding mission will bear success, if not next season, in the future. Look, to me, like I mentioned, you know, I expected this, this result, expected the, the gap between the teams to be as such. Uh, but to me, this match, I'll remember it for one thing and one thing only. I think it was, for me, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, after the game, I actually went on to my social media and I, and I, was, look, I was scrolling through and I came across this video. Uh, it was an excerpt from a Sky Sports interview. Uh, and it was, of course, uh, Captain Harry Maguire talking about uh, his performances this season. And he actually said, and then I had to check, double, double check whether this was an audio that was dubbed or some form of fake news. But he actually said that the fact that he is starting for Manchester United... With a straight United, face, mind you. <laughs> with a straight face, that the fact that he is starting for Manchester United is an indication that his performances haven't been all too bad. Look, I, I think a major, major part of why I've defended Maguire for so long is the fact that I think he is not the problem at Manchester United. I think far too often fans and, and because of memes, because of viral videos like to square the blame at Maguire and Maguire alone. But look, if you as a captain think that your performances have been up to scratch when it is so obvious that they have not been, it's an indication of the mentality that's wrong at Manchester United. Because if your captain thinks this way, what more the other players? And, and I think with Maguire, he has to realise by now that he's not at Leicester City. You can't give an interview and, and, and tell media that, oh, uh, I don't think we care much about uh, denting Liverpool's title hopes. No, you should you know, really build yourself up for the occasion. You are the captain of Manchester United. You are not any other player. And to me, like I mentioned, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. I cannot defend Maguire anymore. I, it's impossible to do so right now. I think he has to be one of the players who got, who's got to go You know, if the reset were to happen. And that brings me to my next question, Roshan. We saw after the game that Ralph Rangnick talked about six to ten players coming through uh, for next season, which... To be fair, got me quite excited. But where, where does it start? I mean, not just Maguire, of course. Maguire, I think, is a part of the reset. Where else do you think we need a reset? I mean, quite honestly, when Ragnik brought up six to eight players, I still think not enough, you know. But that's the state of affairs. Sorry, I will touch on the question very shortly. But I just want to bring up the Harry Maguire interview. Many years ago, Roy Keane fell out with the club after giving a poor interview. How is the current captain allowed to do that on the eve of the biggest game against the rivals? Again, reeks of the problems at that club. Moving on to your question, that reset we are talking about. I really don't understand what's dragging the heels over Manchester United making the announcement of the coach. It's, it's, a, it's a running joke now, whether Manchester United will announce their new coach first or Singapore national team will announce their new coach first. I don't know which is going to happen first. Scully but honestly, uh, uh, hopefully... I, I do recall uh, Sundram and Mourinho being uh, appointed on the same day. 
Well, but that would be nice. But moving on, coming back to your question though, that's where it needs to start. Announcing the manager. Because some of these players who are playing for the club who are going to be there next season, I know there's not a lot who will stay, but there are certain few who deserve to stay based on what they've given to the club. I think Bruno has had a horrible, horrible season, but he deserves to stay based on what he can bring. He just needs a better infrastructure around him. Sancho deserves to stay. Varane deserves to stay. But apart from that, David De Gea, yes, mind-blowingly good at shot-stopping, but not progressive enough, as the Spain squad selection has shown. So it's time to move on as well. And I think United need to learn that they've let so many players run out their contracts that they're going to lose so many players for free this season, Pogba being the highest profile one. So I think that's where the reset needs to start, where the manager needs to come in together with Ralph and work out who they want to keep and who they want to get rid of. And I just want to bring up a stat. A lot of people are saying, no chance, they're not going to sell the squad wholesale. Uh, It is not FIFA or stuff like that. Jose Mourinho got rid of 12 players in his first season. Louis van Gaal got rid of 17 players in his first season. Of course, these are all not first-teamers. They are youngsters involved. But they are in double digits, those numbers. And I think Manchester United need a similar cull. I think you posted something today, be brutal on Instagram. That's yeah. exactly what people need to be. Be brutal, go out and put the club first. I think for far too long, the club has become second. They've had their piano unveiling. They've had their pokeback hashtag moments. The club has always played second fiddle to these stars. The manager needs to be the biggest boss in the club for the club to be set, right? And I think there are certain players who will fall in line. Those who won't, it's time to move on. Harry Maguire included. Yeah, so so I mean, just, just another note about, about Maguire. So I don't want to be hypocritical and, 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 and seem to be pointing the blame at him alone. Even that game against Liverpool, I think several people were quick to point out that oh, Maguire was to blame for a few goals. No, I think if you watch the game in its entirety, it's, it's almost like dominoes, right? Where, where something happens in front and then it all falls backwards. So I think there are several issues in the system itself at play. So uh, I'm intrigued to see how long... Sorry, Deepan, I have to disagree on the Maguire not being at fault for goals. We consider no, no, four no, I'm against... Not, I'm not saying that Maguire is not yeah. at fault, but I'm yeah. saying that... I think is he is squarely to blame for three of the four goals we considered. I, I personally do okay. think so. Okay. I think okay. I, I uh, the first goal, the first goal, he stepped up too much. He left Dalo, who's playing in an unfamiliar yeah, left so, position. So, so that, that is my point. So if you actually watch back the games, and, and there's a fantastic article on, on, on The Athletic for people who have a subscription to it, uh, where it shows... I have yours. <laughs> where, yes, that's right. Where it shows that Pogba and Matic, you know, were dragged out of position, and then McCoy had a choice to make between staying back, which could have also caused an error, or uh, stepping in front. And, and basically, it was an error in McGuire's decision, but he was forced into it by the players in front. That's what I'm trying to say. So I agree with you that Maguire is at fault, but I'm saying there are also other factors. I agree. The domino yeah. effect that you spoke of. So yeah. first goal, okay, midfielders, yes. Second, go- uh, second goal, okay, Mane, Sublime Plus, Dalo, Dalo lost Sal- Salah. So okay. Mm-hmm. Third goal, what is Mane doing with so much space? Surely Maguire should be closer. Yeah, that, that, Fourth that. goal, hospital pass to a 17-year-old who just came on. <laughs> Come on. Nah. Yeah, like, yeah. that's absolutely ridiculous. And, even Liverpool, who were leading at 3-0 at that point, were first to every ball. Robertson still playing like he's got a bet with Trent on assists for this season as well. It's it's. I agree Maguire is not the only one to blame, but as the club captain, it comes with the territory that you will have to stand up and take the blame. And on that point, I was sorely disappointed that he did not come out for the post-match 
press con uh, for the post match mm. interview. Yeah. Yeah. Why is Bruno coming out and uh, speaking? You're the club captain. You have the balls to the audacity to speak before the game and speak highly of yourself before the game. Front up and come and speak to the media. I mean, what they say won't be won't be very different. It's a copy and paste every week now. The apology and stuff like that. But at least as captain, I think you should be putting your hand up and saying, "I'm going to do this." I didn't see that, and that's why I think it's going to be very hard to go back to Maguire of last season. I do think it's going to you know when Ole reached a stage where we 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 said it's impossible to recapture those PSG nights or those nine nils against Southampton. I think Maguire's reached that stage and that's why I'm fully in agreement with you that it's time to be shipped on. Yeah, and you know, I think at, at this point where as a United fan, or, or at least for me, you know, I, I would want to back the players as long as they're in the red kit. But it's impossible to do so when a player does not even realise that he's in a bad run of form. That he does not even realise that he's been putting in bad performances and he thinks that having a start for Manchester United equates to being in a, in a good form, I would say, you know, not playing badly. So, you know, a, a severe lack of, uh, I would say, really, he's just, he's bewildering, you know, how deluded he is. And he, he is one of the many issues that we need to start to fix right away. And I hope that in the subsequent matches, starting from the one against Arsenal, which we'll talk about later, that Maguire doesn't start anymore. I, I cannot for the life of me understand why he has been starting when he's been so poor. Uh, and, and, and maybe I'm missing something but, but I really hope that that game showed Ramnik that this guy really just cannot be trusted at the moment uh, I think it's can... time to play the kids I, I, I know top 4 is within touching distance mathematically still possible so people might question wanting to play the kids but I honestly think that's the only way to get the reset in order by starting now and telling players look you have a lifeline you either buck up or you don't make it into the team I think it has to start now and yeah, we can go on and on. I'll save it for multiple episodes where we will be discussing the demise of Manchester United. So I think we should move on to the next club. There should be a podcast on its own, uh, the demise of Manchester United. Uh, moving on to a club that's on the up though, uh, is Newcastle United. Uh, six straight home wins now, uh, Raushan, that has honestly, I mean, they are, they are free from, from relegation troubles. They are actually above even Crystal Palace that we have been talking about in growing terms for so long. Newcastle up to 11th in the table. Uh, of course, you know, whether they end in the top half or not remains to be seen. But wow, what a job Eddie Howe has done. It feels like not too long ago, I was saying, should Eddie Howe be sick? I raised the question in one of the episodes because they were on a bad run of form. Uh, but tremendous. Raushan, my question to you is not so much on how they've reached here, but what do you think they need to do for next season? Where do you think this squad probably needs to work? And would it be something out of the ordinary for me to say that Newcastle can push for top four, top five? I think that will be in their five-year plan, not so much their two-year plan. I think, I feel they've shown that transfer-wise, yes, a lot of people are going to level. It's easy for Eddie Howe because he splashed 100 million dollars in 100 million pounds during the January transfer window. But still putting that team together takes work. And I think Eddie Howe has uh, shown himself well. He hasn't been afraid to drop Jamal Lascelles, which has impressed me because Jamal Lascelles was the club captain, but he's changed that around. Hey, Jamal Lascelles was a problem. Club captain can drop. Uh, I, uh, Eddie Howe <laughs> clearly has shown that he can be dropped. Uh, and I think it's instances like that that show you that you're putting the club first. And I think Eddie Howe has done that very well. Bruno Fernandez is not even the best Bruno in the league anymore. Bruno Gamerez has come on, scored two, the last game, assisted last night. So you see there are, there are transfers that are working and I think Newcastle need to, to your question, not get carried away. 
top four will be in their three-year plan, their five-year plan. Next year, perhaps Europa League. Uh, uh, go on a European expedition, get some experience. Overnight, they can't be signing Mbappe. They can't be signing, I don't know, Icardi, Haaland. You know what I mean? Those kind of players, they, they will go, go at it step by step. I truly believe that. And I think they've shown that they know how to spend the money well. And I think that will continue in the, in the end of season. And I think next season, they will aim for at least a Europa League place. And honestly, depending on the number of signings they get, as we've discussed off-air before, how many free transfers there are in the market. I feel like that's the problem for Manchester United. Not to bring it back to Manchester United, but there's competition for places to play Premier League football now. And Newcastle might look to tap on some of those free transfers or even splash the cash on bigger names and build a squad and progress progressively, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I completely agree with you. I think what's really stood out about Newcastle is the fact that, you know, you have to realise that their talisman was Callum Wilson, no? uh, and the fact that he's been out and they've still managed to get the results that they want to get, uh, you know, winning the, the sides that they have won in the last few weeks, I think has been thoroughly impressive. Uh, and I'm really, really quite intrigued to see what they will do next season. I mean, to your point, I don't see them really going out and, and splashing the cash. Uh, I think they've already got a few players to work with at the moment. I think, and I mentioned this, right? Bruno Guimaraes, I, I, I said he would be a fantastic signing, but even I have been surprised by, you know, how well he has fitted into the squad after, you know, having to be patient uh, when he initially came in. Uh, so, yeah, Newcastle fans, uh, I think happy moments for them. Uh, I think there's been a very smart transfer in Chris Wood also. They reduced yes. Burnley, who are now look set for the drop. And Chris Wood, I think he scored lesser goals than Weghorst, which is the like-for-like replacement. But what Chris Wood has brought to his Newcastle team is different. And I think that's a transfer for, as an example of how well Newcastle have got it in the transfer market. And as long as that committee is in place, I think they will continue to be upwards. All right, Roshan, let's now move on to the FPL radar. Right, this is the FPL radar where we speak about players who impressed us in game week 33. Uh, Roshan, I'll, I'll get it going first. Uh, one player that I definitely need to talk about is Timo Werner. Uh, for, of, of course, we all know right, he's been roundly criticised this season uh, for his performances for Chelsea. But in the last few games, suddenly he's, it's, it's looking up for him. Uh, of course, he's got 15 points. Uh, on FPL in that game against Southampton with two goals and one assist. Uh, and then in that loss to Arsenal, he scored again uh, and had two bonus points. So clearly things are looking up for him. What I like about him at the moment is you can clearly see that he has this hunger uh, to prove to Chelsea fans and Chelsea uh, that he can be relied upon. Uh, Lukaku had a surprise start against Arsenal uh, and was... Wow, he was so bad that, that to me, I, I think that was the last straw for him. I think the last chance for him at Chelsea, I don't see him uh, being there next season. And, and to me, I think till the end of the season, it's a chance for Timo Werner to prove to Tuchel and Chelsea that he is the main man for next season. Uh, and if you look at Chelsea's fixtures, I think it's not too bad. They've got West Ham, Manchester United, uh, Everton uh, coming up next. So again, these are all games where you see Chelsea scoring in and they end the season with uh, visits to Leeds and also home game home games against Leicester and Watford. So I, I see myself bringing in Werner and leaving him there till the end of the season. I think that's a very, very smart choice because Chelsea more often they're not bounce back. I think it was a shock defeat to Arsenal. They will bounce back and I think they'll bounce back fairly strongly. I'm tempted to go for a Man City option in Kevin De Bruyne or a Liverpool option in one of their front three. Sadio Mane, Salah or Luis Diaz. 
But because they have European competition midweek, I fear rotation might might play a part. So I'm going to go for an Arsenal asset because Arsenal did well last night to get the 4-2 result. I know they that was on the back of three uh, defeats, which sort of derailed their top four ambitions. But I think they are still in it. And now they play Manchester United. And for me, Martin Odegaard is going to have a field day against Manchester United's non-existent midfield. I do feel at the Emirates, Arsenal are going to get the job done. I Even if Arsenal had lost to Chelsea, I would still think Arsenal are favourites because that's the state of affairs at Manchester United. And then when you look beyond that, Odegaard has really upped the ante almost. And I look at their next run of fixtures, it's against Manchester United at the weekend and then they got West Ham and Leeds United and then Tottenham. So I feel like Odegaard will be a crucial factor in that push for top four and a couple of weeks ago, I said it's Spurs to lose. I felt Spurs were shocking in their 1-0 defeat. So really, honestly, it's just who wants that top four more. And I think Odegaard will, will channel his head in and do well for Arsenal in the remaining games. All right, fantastic, Roshan. Let's now look ahead to game week 34. Right, this is Who's Next, where we look ahead to matches in the Premier League whilst also picking out some FPL assets to consider. For the forthcoming campaign, Live Now will offer single match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week. And that's right, we're on to match day 34. So there's only four of these match passes left to give. So don't forget to go to our Instagram or Facebook page at Whistle to find out how you can win three free Premier League match passes each week for yourself. And this week's Live Now featured match of the week is the champions Manchester City against Watford. Yep. Uh, wow. When you look at this fixture and straight away, the one thing that comes to my mind and one thing really is the fact that this is going to be a grand trashing. Uh, AOS for, comes to mind. Yeah, AOS comes to mind. Um, you look at Manchester City, I think right now, it's almost like they go into every match like a cup final. Um and we know that City and Watford have played in the cup final before. I think it ended like 5-0 or 6-0. Uh, and I see that being a similar scoreline here. Uh, look, Roshan, the, the, the obvious question at this moment would be, what do you think would stop City? And, and I think the answer would be City themselves. Because yep. I, I, I don't see sides in the Premier League being good enough to stop a full-strength City team. I, I know people are going to point to the FA Cup, uh, or rather FA Cup semi-final between City and, and Liverpool and how Liverpool beat them, but that was not a, a full-strength full strength City at all. I mean, we saw Nitin Ake, uh, Zinchenko playing, but City at full-strength, and now that Diaz is back as well, I don't see them dropping dropping much points. So, I, I don't see much value in discussing this game as a, as a game itself, but more like as, a, as an asset for FPL uh, players. Who, who do you have in your squad that's from Manchester City? And who would you want to bring? I already have Kevin De Bruyne and Cancelo, who are the most obvious choices, I guess. But with Kevin De Bruyne, I feel with the European tie, I think Guardiola will sorely want to get into another Champions League final. And I think that's maybe will weigh in his mind in terms of rotation. But I'm going to stick to Kevin De Bruyne in my team, whether I slap the armband or not. We'll discuss that later. But to answer your question, Man City, yeah, I think only a European, if they are exerted too much in Europe, that's the only thing that will affect them in the league. But I look at their league running, they got Watford, then they got Leeds United, then they got Newcastle, West Ham and Aston Villa. All winnable games. So, really, it's cities to lose. And I know there's only a one-point gap, but it's really cities to lose. And I think if you want to look, yesterday when they scored three against Brighton, two of them came with heavy deflections. But they still did well to cover up the opportunities. And I think Bernardo Silva added the cherry on the cake with a beautiful third, right? So, you look at Silva, you look at Foden, again with 
Guardiola's teams, I cannot say with gumption go out and get him because Guardiola will rotate. But I feel those two players in terms of how they can help City push for the title and seal the title, Silva and Foden for me step out. And a midfielder scoring goals is always going to get you more points. And we know City don't do strikers, right? So might as well plump for a midfielder if I were you. Yep, let's now move on to the other games uh, that we want to preview. Uh, unfortunately, we have to preview the first game of the week. I wouldn't be us. watching, by the way. Oh, you're not going to be watching? Wow. I, I know this is bad to say on a Premier League podcast, but uh, if if I had a choice of whether I had to watch the game or not, I wouldn't be watching. And I, I don't plan to until uh, changes are made at the club. But we have to preview the game. <laughs> Arsenal take on Manchester United. Uh, at the Emirates, it's a Singapore 7.30pm Saturday kickoff. Uh, Rasha, I think you talked about it a bit earlier in terms of the fact that Arsenal uh, definitely have to be favourites regardless of the fact uh, whether they won Chelsea or not. Uh, do you though, see this being a heavily one-sided game, something like a, the 4 0 victory that Liverpool had? Or do you feel that United can run Arsenal close? But, but by the way, by the way, if I see the starting lineup, if Maguire is in the lineup, I really wouldn't know how to get because if he doesn't get dropped after the last game, then what does it take? But yeah, that's a side point. How do you think this game will go? I think Arsenal are going to win. I think Arsenal are going to win comfortably. I think um, at the Emirates, having got a good midweek result, I think um, I don't think Manchester United have enough to pick themselves up. I really don't think so. I I I'm not saying this to play devil's advocate or to play Murphy's Law or anything like that. I do think Arsenal will win this and. You touched on it there, Athletic, uh, an Athletic article. I read one that said, we are fast becoming not Manchester United FC, but Memes FC. And on sun- Saturday night at 9.30, there will be various different memes of how we can't even beat the Arsenal side who've lost three of their last four. So I think, I think honestly, I think Arsenal will get the job done and then it's going to be a straight shootout between Arsenal and Spurs for the top four place at some point. Which is good because i rather we finish entirely outside of Europe. Yeah, I, I wish that too, you know. Uh, this game, or, or rather, ever since United recorded that eight-two victory against uh, Ashley Young with the double, yeah, United recorded an eight-two victory against Arsenal. I've always feared that one day, one day, Arsenal will will have their day in the sun as well. Uh, I've never had that fear that that, that game will, will come, but for the first time, for the first time, I feel like like this could be an opportunity where maybe not eight-two, but a chance for Arsenal to to really trash us, uh, United. And I tell you what, I tell you, I said I won't watch the game, right? I will look at the team news at 6.30. If Harry Maguire is dropped, I will turn on the television. Wow. I, I will be watching regardless. Uh, but, but At I least think, one of us is. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, this, this could get ugly. Uh, simply because, like you mentioned, it's a good point. I don't think this United side knows how to pick itself up. I don't think there are enough leaders. I don't think there are enough players in the team that will say, hey, let's play for pride. Let's play for the bench. Uh, and on that account, uh, a side that's really hungry, as Arsenal showed against Chelsea, against a side that can't wait for the season to end, uh, I see this being a 4 0 victory for, for, for Arsenal at the very least. What about you? I say, say 3 0 or 3 1 to Arsenal. I think uh, to your point, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Sean Dyche, uh, before he got sacked, unfortunately, by Burnley, he said after beating Everton that he told his boys, this Everton team does not know how to win games. If I were Ateta, I'll just control C, control B, that same team talk. And that should get Arsenal past the line in this game. Yep, can't disagree. Let's look at another tasty fixture this week is 
that Merseyside derby, uh, Liverpool at home to Everton. I would love to sit down here and say, well, this is going to be tight, this is going to be exciting one. But if you have been watching Everton over the last few game weeks, except for the, the game against Manchester United, Everton have been rubbish. Uh, but, Roshan, you know, there's this famous saying, right? When it comes to a derby game, form goes out the window. Do you at Wasn't all... the case midweek though, because Manchester United <laughs> Liverpool is technically a derby as well. Not as big a derby as the Merseyside derby. But uh, no, I, I having watched Liverpool uh, over midweek matches and how they perform in Europe and stuff like that, I just think they have the bit between their teeth. And I think the way uh, Klopp is rotating that squad, he's now embarrassment of riches up front. He can play any one of those front five and they would still be favourites to go out and score some goals. Thiago's coming to form at the right time. Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane started out on the right, moved to the left. Now he's coming to the centre to accommodate Luis Diaz and Salah and still reinventing himself. They have too many informed players against a fairly porous Everton side. Of course, the headline will write itself if Everton, if the Toffees, if Liverpool come unstuck at the Toffees, right? But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I do think Liverpool will win this fairly comfortably. I think one thing about Liverpool is they... Sometimes when you are that good, you can get complacent. Liverpool are not. They, they are so professional. That first half performance against Manchester United, thoroughly professional. And then they wait for the chances to make it 4-0. I think it'll, the same thing will happen here. They will cruise into an early lead. And then eventually when Everton try and peg something back, they're going to wallop them. So I suspect this will be 3-0 to Liverpool. Well, uh, I'm going for a similar scoreline here. I think it will be 3-0 to Liverpool as well. Uh, I don't see Everton causing Liverpool damage at all because... You know, this Everton team, uh, even at the comfort of their own home ground, they don't really put together a coherent performance, what more, you know, uh, at Anfield. So, yeah, it's going to be a one-sided game here. Uh, quickly running through the, the other fixtures here, uh, Leicester City take on Aston Villa, uh, Norwich City at home to Newcastle, Burnley at Wolves, and, and Brentford, Christian Eriksen, you know, playing against his former side, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Chelsea against West Ham. Eriksen will score the winner in that one. You heard it here first. For Spurs or what? No, 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 for the rejuvenated uh, Brentford. Brentford, yeah. It's been, it's been quite a sight to watch uh, Brentford over the last few games, by the way. Uh, Crystal Palace take on Leeds and Brighton take on Southampton. Roshan, our last segment before we go. To me, straightforward as it gets. Uh, captain or captain. And yeah, it has to be Mo Salah for me. I mean, do I even need to explain? Yeah, I can understand the Mo Salah pick, but I'm also tempted by Sadio Mane. I just feel... He's also coming into form and Salah loves scoring against Manchester United. We, we know that he's got five of nine. But against Everton, I just feel Sadio Mane might want to then prove his worth almost. But it's a happy problem to have if you're choosing, if you can somehow fit both Mane and Salah into your squad and you're looking to put the armband on one of them. But Liverpool asset, Mane, I go for him. All right, Roshan, once again, uh, fantastic to do another episode with you. Uh, Sometimes course, I think you're lying because it's been so sad that we have to talk about our favourite club like that. So, I don't know whether fantastic is the word but thoroughly enjoy it. You know, misery loves company and all that. Yes, that's correct. Uh, when, I say, when, when I say fantastic, what I mean is I love talking football. Uh, so, we can't get away from that. But yes, truth be told, you know, it's been miserable as a fan. Uh, but I hope at least some listeners will take joy out of it. You know, there are people like that around. So, uh, enjoy the weekend of football. Uh, other than United's game, of course, and we'll see you again next week. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you.